0: Hello and welcome to the first Late Night Latte host the World Cup and potentially the last late night latte of 2022. It's a pleasure to be back on air, Um, a packed show tonight. We're looking forward to Brighton versus Arsenal this weekend on New Year's Eve, my birthday, uh, as Arsenal look to maintain their lead at the top of the Barclays Premier League table. We are, of course, seven points clear of Newcastle, eight points, no, five points ahead of Manchester City now. Of course, they beat Leeds and quite handsomely last night. They are hunting us, as Erling Haaland has said. So I've got two great guests tonight. Uh, First up, it's Charles. Charlie Haffenden. Charlie is a a journalist. Uh, He's also a podcaster for Brighton, Hove Albion. And he, if you remember, those of you who are loyal supporters of the channel, uh, Charlie did the breakdown on Benjamin White back in July 21. And everything that he said came true. I'll be bringing Charlie in just shortly. And then, of course, Pedro, Of La Grove will be coming in to talk to us about, well, looking back at West Ham, Arsene Wenger coming back home three years under Mikel Arteta this week. Uh, So we're going to just look at some of the key highlights and what sort of changed under his reign. And then we'll look at the Premier League table before we. Uh, bid farewell to the evening as per normal i'm going to get some comments straight in so vlad has been waiting very patiently hey fk charlie pedro hello all you gooners thanks very much v, Vlad, for being the first comment in tonight uh dylan xd good evening fk good evening dylan it's nice to have you back on board backery lasagna good evening gooners um uncle doris in the chat uncle doris thanks so much for your very long comment on the video the other night i did see it haven't had time to respond but i absolutely will evening all hey v, Vlad, dylan xd what's cooking tesi my in the house Let's go, Tezzy. Thanks a lot for your uh, messages as well. Really nice to see you back in, Oysen. Here we go. Um, Erihart49 says, hi. Uh, Fraser, Fraser, you're back. Just what I needed. Hey, it was a very impromptu late night latte, very last minute decision. I thought Thursday night, there's no Barclays on. Why don't we have a chat about the game? Um, So here we are. Yembele, Yembele couldn't join us tonight. Yembele, nice to see you in the chat. I know you've been busy with the Can You Believe It podcast. Do check that out, guys. I heard it all, Yem. It was very, very good. Henke Ho Henrik, let's go. FK is at it again. I am indeed. Els, thanks for watching. And Els, listen, thank you so much for tuning into all the spaces as well. I really appreciate your support. Um, I'm in trouble. Oh, I've missed you, man. I'm in trouble. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. 60 days since the last late night latte. So it's absolutely... Absolutely good to be back. Jess Abiola, FK, good to be here with you again. Looking forward to hearing from Charlie and Pedro. Oh, Rohan's in the chat. So many legends in the chat. Right. Speaking of Charlie, let's bring in Charlie. Uh, Those of you, again, who will remember from the very first few videos of this channel, Charlie did the breakdown on Benjamin White. So we'll talk about that as well. But Charlie, welcome to the firm. Welcome back to the firm. How are you?
1: I'm good. This feels weird because it's been like a year and a half since the last one. Um, Mate, your channel been... has developed a crazy amount since then, but it's great to be back. Oh, thanks. That's so
0: kind of you. It's developed because we, I have uh, put together videos with specialists like yourself and people seem to like it. Um, you might have heard, Charlie, just while you were sort of backstage, as it were. Um, Yeah, Benjamin White. That was the breakdown we did. I think you were living in a different place back then and you were sort of hovering on the end of your kitchen table and you talked to us articulately about Ben and and why Arsenal were willing to part £50 million with him. We, of course, had no idea that he'd turn out to be the monster of a defender that he has. Uh, I mean, we may as well just start there. What are your thoughts on Ben White and his progression over the last 18 months?
1: I think he has lived up to absolutely everything I would have said in that video. Um, I can't, remember everything I said but it's probably something along the lines of he's very versatile he always works so hard his fitness is brilliant he's got a lot of pace he's very well rounded and that's what we've seen from him at Arsenal if you want him to play at center back he can if you want him in a back three not that you do very often I don't think do you but he can if you need him to he can always drop into midfield plays a right back which we've seen a lot recently it's been really good to see him uh, progress and to be one of your players of the season so far in a team that is bidding for the title uh i personally Arsenal at the moment a few games ago i'd have thought oh no it's a pipe dream but now i'm actually thinking okay maybe arsenal could push on and and win this league title it's very early days i would love to see ben white become a premier league champion i'd love as a brighton fan just to see a different team lift the title as well but to see an ex-brighton man there as well would, would be really cool
0: well, let me refresh your memory and to those who, who who are watching, you came on the channel about a year and a half ago and you were saying to us that he was a versatile defender, quick defender, rapid, you know, great learner, uh, ever present, never, never, you know, never goes missing. And luckily we've had him, he's been ever present for Arsenal. Uh, you talked about his ability to play right back, centre back, maybe even dropping into midfield, his ball playing ability. I think you highlighted that one of his potential weaknesses could be aerial uh, duels and, to be fair he doesn't really get involved in, in that many aerial duels at arsenal but everything that you said about his versatility his work rate his physical uh, strength and resilience it's all come true charlie so i'm hoping uh, that he continues that trend and like like you say for, for to see ben white and arsenal of course to win the premier league title is a dream but it's the hope that kills you it very surreal at the moment It is. It's really surreal. And I guess I was going to ask you about Brighton, but maybe we'll finish on Brighton in terms of your segment. But what are your views of Arsenal from the outside, you know, sort of looking in? Um, Not sure if you caught the all or nothing series that was aired now a few months back. But when you see Mikel Arteta at the top of the Premier League with Arsenal, you know, seven points clear of Newcastle, five points ahead of City. Um, What are your thoughts on us?
1: Yeah, I did watch that documentary series and I was very impressed by Mikel Arteta because I knew he'd worked with Pep Guardiola. I knew he was a brilliant leader as a player and he was a very talented player in midfield. Um, also first time, just like Ben White, but not quite as much. I think seeing him in that documentary and his personality shining through and how dedicated he is to things tactically as well, his man management... I think he's just very very well-rounded, and I think he is ready for that top-level job. When he first came to Arsenal, I wasn't too sure about it. I think probably Arsenal fans weren't too sure about it. Maybe optimistic, but then poor runs of results, things aren't going too well. There was a bit of Arteta out at one point, wasn't there? But then things, results start to get better, really good run in that all-or-nothing series. And, and since then, things have progressed this season. 13 wins in 15 games. I mean, that's unheard of. Even Man City and Liverpool haven't done that in the last couple of seasons. So no, I'm, I am amazed. Uh, I don't think you'll keep it up quite to the standards. I think that's expected. There's going to be a bit of a drop off at some point, maybe against Brighton. Who knows? No, <laughs> I feel let's not let's hope that. not. <laughs> not on your birthday, at least. That wouldn't be much fun, would it?
0: Uh, do you know what? You're right, though. I think. Uh, and that's the thing that sort of eats away at me. You know, I, I think to myself, uh, Phil's in the house. Big up, guys, all about the signings in January. We will finish this show, Phil, later on in about 45 minutes. I'm looking ahead to January with Pedro of Le Grove. So do stick around for that, Phil. Um, I think sometimes, Charlie, like what you've just said, I, I sort of I pinch myself thinking, is this some sort of a dream? You know, are we really where we are? Are we really? you know, five points clear of Manchester City who have had their best start to to a Premier League season in five years, who have got Erling Haaland, this goal-scoring machine monster robot. um, And, you know, we're without Gabriel Jesus, and one or two others, and we're still blowing teams away. I mean, you know, can this go on? I hope we haven't peaked too soon. There is a lot of football yet to play. And, you know, the next game sees us heading to your town so brighton on saturday before we look at the game what are your thoughts on brighton because there's been a bit of a transition graham potter of course going to chelsea Deserby coming in uh, of course and, and and taking on the reins now at brighton you had a big ignition of, of enthusiasm and excitement when you pumped chelsea that was amusing to most arsenal fans but but how has the season gone this season for you have you you know what's the change been like for you guys
1: it's been a very stressful season starts the season we're only 15 games in but within about i can't remember the exact uh, number of games probably about eight maybe nine something like that maybe even less it might have been like six or seven when graham potter went it's around that period where queen elizabeth sadly passed away and then you've got a few weeks off it gave us a bit of time to get that transition phase but even then losing someone like graham potter Who'd built such a project we felt like we were finally getting to that point where oh we could get Europe here and he just gets going and not just him but Bruno Salter was the big one for me if you don't know who he is a Brighton legend played for the club for about eight years through the championship was our captain when we got promoted um captain in the Premier League for a couple of years became a coach he's gone to Chelsea as well and loads of other backroom staff members went with Graham Potter so it felt like our club was gutted and as fans we were a bit gutted we thought maybe this is the end of our little stretch for Europe we might drop away a bit but De Zerbe's come in I was quite optimistic when I saw his track record and his personality but the fact he settled in so quickly and then beating Graham Potter's Chelsea 4-1 it's the dream start for him there's been the odd little um game here and there where it's not gone too well A nil nil against Nottingham Forest losing to Chelsea Athletic in the Carbo Cup it's been the odd shock but on the whole, I think we've been brilliant. We are Brighton at the end of the day. We're not going to win every game. Uh, no, but you know what? You, ha- you have played really well. I, I was
0: really anxious you have, for yeah. you guys. You know, when when Graham Potter left, I thought, okay, you know, Kukurea left, Graham Potter left. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe this is the start of of Brighton falling away a little bit. And Eve Basuma as well. and not well. to forget. Yeah, absolutely. He was a player that I very much wanted at Arsenal. And, of course, he's ended up going to the enemy. Um, but somehow... You've managed to maintain that trajectory. Um, we've div- we've seen over the World Cup, Alexis McAllister, what a player he is. Uh, Moises Caicedo, I think I've hopefully pronounced his name correctly, but being linked with a move to Liverpool tonight, today. Um, I mean, I don't know how you guys do it. You just have this conveyor belt of talent, players that that come in for four, five, six million pounds, and you end up sort of selling for 40, 50, 60 million pounds. It's a phenomenal business model, but the credit is due to down to, like you say, the managers and the coaching staff that you've had. I suppose in closing about Brighton, what are your hopes for this season? Because it looks like now Liverpool, United, Chelsea are beginning to get their houses in order. There was a moment a few weeks ago when you were sort of flirting with fourth and fifth, but you might be dropping back down to sort of seventh, eighth. Would that be a good finish for you this year? It'd be a
1: wonderful finish. I think most Brighton fans, obviously there's a little bit of optimism. Could we go the next step to go to Europe? We finished ninth last year, our best ever points finish uh, above 40, which was incredible for us as, as a team that's been 20 years ago on the brink of just falling apart as a football club altogether to then go up the divisions and establish ourselves as a Premier League side for about five, six years, was good enough. But to now be a top-half team and to be continuing that, I think that's what we really wanted this year. And we're doing that. To be in seventh after 15 games, we've only lost five out of that 15 It does feel amazing. We stopped drawing so many games as well. That was one thing that was really irritating. Um, Still could be a bit more clinical at times. The expected goal stat, sometimes we might be ahead in that and then still don't go on and win. But we're getting so much better. If we finish seventh, I'd bite your hand off for that just the chance of European football through the knockouts would be incredible but just being eighth ninth tenth I'd also be very happy with that and then maybe move on and and build a bit more for next season it's just trying to keep hold of those good players uh, that go for 50 60 million but we haven't got that financial power to keep that of course we're going to accept if we're making a like a five six-fold profit on a player it just seems to be the way we run. And and I wouldn't complain about that. It's just a shame it might not let us progress, if that makes sense. But where we are at the moment, delighted with it. No, and and listen,
0: best wishes for the rest of the season. But of course, I hope this Saturday, uh, it's a miserable day for you. (laughs) Let's look ahead to Saturday. So obviously Arsenal are flying. Um, We've just mentioned, you know, uh, Caicedo is suspended for the game. McAllister, presumably still partying with Argentina, or maybe not. You might be able to sort of inform us better. Danny Welbeck also out. I mean, what's your mood going into the game are you confident are you you know you're hoping for a bit of an upset you know what's what's your thoughts
1: we do often upset you we're a bit of a bogey team aren't we um yeah. you've come to the Amex before and you beat and us in the league War. cup just a few weeks back let's yeah, not forget at the emirates two same oppositions same managers same squads very similar positions at that point as well in the league table in a similar form and we beat you at the emirates it's true we are a bit of a bogey side for you and that's what gives me confidence um We've even beaten Manchester City on home soil in 2022. That was an amazing result for us. Delighted with that. Uh, Going away to Liverpool and getting a 3-3. Leandro Trossard getting a hat-trick in that game. We can take on these big sides and dominate, really, or at least match. So I don't think it will be a pushover for you. I think we will give you a lot more of a challenge than some other teams you faced recently. Um, Do I think we can win? Maybe that's a step too far, but I think we might be able to cause you to drop points for the first time in in a fair while. If
0: you're looking at the Arsenal team, so if you're Deserby, who, who do you think, Or well, two questions. Who do you think the main threat is in the Arsenal team and where do you think our weaknesses are in terms of exploitation for you guys?
1: Well, I think Gabriel Jesus, even though I know he's injured, isn't he? Is he still injured?
2: Yeah,
0: he's unfortunately he's out, out for a very long time, so he's well, going to he be missing been... for maybe the next eight to ten weeks.
1: He would have been the one, even though he wasn't really free-scoring, just his involvement in the build-up play and how hard he worked. But without him, I'd probably say Martinelli and Saka on the wings, just their pace, their drive. and They're very clinical as well, Um, just the willingness to take defenders on. Our defence isn't the quickest. Tarek Lamptey, unfortunately, he's just not really got the fitness to be starting every game. The back three does give us a little bit more balance up against that. Um, fast forwards but we do sometimes struggle with that down the byline so that's probably where I'm a bit threatened and then Martin Odegaard has really come into his own as well so I mean your whole team it's just the form that you're in at the moment um, so I can't help but smile it's so awesome nice face, but it, it's, it's so and nice to hear mad. it from from opposition fans
0: like I've been doing these shows uh, what 13 14 times this season whatever many games we've we've had and um, all the fans coming on are like, you know, Arsenal oh, playing really well and Saka's great and Martelli's great. And I'm just sitting there going, Oh my God, this is sort of been craving for it's so long. Um, where would you look to exploit, I guess? So if you're Deserby, you know, do, do you think is it about going, going back at your old man, Ben White down the down, down, you know, your
1: left, our right? Yeah. I mean, Deserby didn't work with him, so it's a bit of a difficult one, but there are a lot of our players that, of course, did. Um, I think he's just trying to match you. Be brave. That's what the Zerbi's like. He doesn't sit back. He was always saying in press conferences when he joined that he just attacks first and thinks about defending second. And that's probably what we'll see, a very open game. And it's just about who takes their chances. So not really a certain place to exploit. Just go at it ourselves and focus on our own game. If we can be at our best, we can beat anyone on our day. So you got to feel a bit threatened by us. Um, but of course, in the form you're in, it's going to be incredibly difficult. Probably one of the toughest games of the season so far without, without a doubt, actually. No probably about it. Uh, give us the scoreline before you go then, Charlie. Or What do you think is going to happen? I'm saying open. Um, I think both teams will go for it. Weirdly, maybe Arsenal slightly more conservative just to kind of absorb our pressure and then maybe get us later on in the game. But I think it will be a 2-2 score draw. Very exciting at the Amex.
0: Oh well, for for my for the sake of our Premier League title race that we're in, I hope we batter you. Uh, but of course, <laughs> Charlie, you're a friend and you you're a to great batter contributor. Us. you not just
1: have a one mil or something. <laughs> okay,
0: okay, all right. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go easy on you. I hope we beat you. Um, but listen, uh, Charlie, thanks again for for joining me on the firm tonight. Uh, again, for those of you who are just tuning in, Charlie is of course the guy who did the breakdown of Benjamin White back in July twenty one. And everything that Charlie said about Ben is absolutely nailed on spot on. If you want to follow Charlie for a Brighton content, but also Birmingham stuff, because you're, you're part of the Birmingham press, uh, Charlie is on Twitter at journo half. Charlie, thank you. I'm going to let you sort of go and, and, and enjoy your night. And may I wish you a very happy new year. And of course, I hope we beat you on Saturday.
1: You too. Uh, I hope you don't. <laughs> <But> hopefully <laughs> Thanks, uh, see you back on here at some point soon.
0: Absolutely. Thanks very much, right. Charlie. Really appreciate that. Oh, what a guy! So again, if you if you've missed it, I mean, you should go back and watch the Benjamin White breakdown that Charlie did. It was it was brilliant. Uh, some more comments in the chat. Comments have been coming through thick and fast. Trevor Bibbons, it's not actually my birthday. My birthday is on New Year's Eve, so I think uh, I sort I think you may have missed that at the very start. Um, lots of comments coming about McAllister. Is he the next talent? Is he the next player that could be going? Uh, Wayne's in the house. Uh, Wayne's World Twenty underscore my co-host on the Twitter Spaces that we do. Mudrick will be watching intently. I've recorded today the mihailo mudrick breakdown with andrew todos of um Voria london and he has given me the insight to this player and the re- it's gonna be released tomorrow it's i it's you're just gonna have to wait and see uh right let's bring in the main man and that is of course pedro of Le grove pedro welcome how are you i am good how are you doing I'm good, man. I'm good. Sorry for leaving you backstage just there. I was having a moment with Charlie. Uh, Charlie, you might have caught the end the sort of tail end of that. Isn't it nice to have opposition fans coming on pretty much weekly seeing the praises of Arsenal? It's great.
2: Yeah, it feels uh it feels very different. It feels very different and a uh, testament to the the progress that has happened over the last two and a half years. So great to great to be a, a team that's feared, especially by Brighton fans as well, because uh, Brighton have had their way with us a few times. It's always a really, really difficult game. I mean, they're kind of like a, a light version of what Arsenal are. Um, I, I wondered if you were going to ask the Brighton fan if he regrets a little bit that when they were doing the deal for Ben White, they didn't try and get Eddie Nketiah as part of the deal. I feel that that has got to be one of the biggest misses of the last two years for a, for a team on Brighton's level. They would have changed the game for Brighton.
0: They've always lacked a finisher and it did surprise me that they didn't go in for Nketiah knowing that his contract was sort of temporary or in the air. Um, but actually, now that the way things have worked out, I'm actually quite pleased and many of you will know that I've been very critical of Nketiah, but I'm very pleased that he's he's sort of in the squad. And actually, that's probably the best place to start, uh, Pedro. So if I may, let me share the slides from tonight. Uh, last time out, we blew the hammers away. We went 1-0 down at halftime. Of course, Eddie Nketiah scoring with a beautiful goal to get our third on the night that was our lineup. What First of all, first game back after the World Cup, what did
2: you make of it? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Perfect perfect game state, like the whole way through. I think that um, I was actually quite intrigued about losing Gabby Jesus. If, if you're going to lose him, the best time to lose him is um, in a World Cup um, so it doesn't really take a massive impact um, because there was a mid-season break. You don't often get that. So the whole team has been able to focus on getting the best out of Eddie and Ketia. So what I was looking for is um, how how big an impact does Gabby Jesus have on our game? Um, what sort? You know, what are we gonna like? How are we gonna adapt to the skills of Eddie? And I also wanted to see, like, you know, what does what does an inexperienced team look like coming out of a midseason break? And to to go one nil down was absolutely perfect. To go one nil down against the deepest of deep blocks was even better. And then to to score three goals and to cap it with Eddie scoring a a fantastic goal that you can you know I've seen him do that three or four times during the the sort of midseason break. He's obviously been coached to do that little turn and to see it pay off just fantastic. And there was so much ridiculous criticism about him like uh, Arsenal fans just forgot what he did um, when he came into the side earlier on in the season. And I'm so happy that he's scoring goals. The the man's a goal machine. And I think he's the the best backup striker in the Premier League there. You've S- started you, off spicy.
0: You've dropped the mic. And yeah. to be honest, a lot of your comments about um, people writing off Eddie and Ketia, um, you know, it fits the glove because I've been very critical of Eddie over the years. I, I um, I've been you know toying with the idea of you know is he good enough f- to lead Arsenal is he good enough to lead us to to potentially a title challenge um, I've had no issues with his goal scoring I think we all know he's a natural goal scorer actually just on the point of coaching I tweeted before the game on Monday that he was doing this drill before kickoff as they all always do where um, I forget Carlos Cuesta was just rolling the ball into him and he was turning and smacking it bottom corner he was brilliant at it on the right side, which is eventually where he scored in the game. Not so good on the left side, but it's, it's almost it's amazing how they sort of almost sort of rehearsed that in time for the game. He looked really sharp. I think for me, um, it's just a case of there are going to be games where he doesn't score, but I want to see how involved he is with the rest of the game. And like many people are saying in the comments, I mean look, Eddie and Ketyo at the moment is baking humble pie, and I'm ready to feast. That's, that's pretty much how I'm, how I'm looking at it. So hopefully he sort of continues. Uh, in terms of the team news, um, it was a strong lineup. There was no rest for anybody who would played at the World Cup. Tommy Yasu is now in full training. He is full and ready and fit to go for Saturday. Would you make any changes looking ahead to the Brighton game on Saturday, Ped? I
2: don't. I don't think so. I think we we need a we need a little bit of momentum. I think if there is going to be a change, it will probably be uh, Zinchenko coming in for Tierney. I think when you're playing a team as as well coached as Brighton, you need your most technical players, and I think Zinchenko just. Um, takes us to a different level. So I suspect that he'll come into the side. But I think everything else stays the same. I mean, that's that's our best starting eleven. Most players um, had a break um, over the midseason, so they should be super fresh. And it's all about building momentum. You've got to get three points on the board against Brighton, and you've got to get at least one point um, from the Newcastle game. And then you head into the big ones. You've got Man United and Spurs. So I think this is momentum building. This game is going to be a lot easier than it would have been if we'd lost that West Ham game.
0: You're absolutely right. Just a couple of points on Nketiah before we move on. Shorias Sagal says, maybe an unpopular opinion, but Eddie can easily score more goals than Jesus if both play equal number of games. But Jesus surely has a better overall impact on the team. Yeah, I think you're right, Shoria. I think Nketiah is a very good finisher. We know that. But I think there are games, particularly the games that Pedro just mentioned coming up that are going to be the real acid test. I know uh, Eddie had a real good purple purple patch towards the end of last season. Let's see if he can maintain that. L's also in the chat says, that goal against West Ham shows when he doesn't think Uh, too much he can produce. Yeah, he's very much an instinctive player. Bakri Lasagna in the content also following up saying he's a great poacher. As a backup, he'll do fine for now. One thing that I did want to get your thoughts on, Pedro, and please don't think I'm, uh, or forgive me for being maybe a little bit unfair. You were very vocal about Arsene Wenger um, towards the end of his reign at Arsenal. Of course, he returned for the first time since leaving the club uh, those years ago. Um, What did you make of it? Because obviously, you you know, you're overseas at the moment, uh, outside of the UK. Watching it on TV, how did it make you feel seeing the big man back on screen and celebrating Martinelli's goal, as you can see on the screenshot there?
2: I love it. I absolutely love it. I think that he should have come back. Actually, I think he, he timed it perfectly. I think if he'd, if, he, if he'd come back during the Unai Emery phase, I'm not sure the reception would have been as great. But he comes back, Arsenal were on top of the league, a player that he brought to the club uh, and gave his... I think he, he gave Arteta his first trophy, is um, managing... You know, he he coached Eddie Nketiah. Was a massive, massive fan of Eddie Nketiah when he uh, when he joined us from Chelsea, and um, you know the, the timing's perfect. And I, I think that he probably looks at what Arteta's doing now, and he can finally say, "Listen, I co- I can't coach to that level. I I can't I can't do that." And I think you know m- maybe before it's like arguable whether he could coach better than Unai Emery, um, but I think the you know having a having a a figure, a global figure like that, in and around the, the dressing room, in and around the club, would be really valuable, and uh, I, I love seeing him there. I think the statue um, arriving. It, I, I don't know. I don't like statues arriving before somebody's passed, but I suppose you know we've got a got a Dennis Burkham one out the front. Um, <laughs> I think Arsene Wenger might be a bit weird about statues as well. I'm sure that he said something once upon a time. But listen, I, I was I, I was at Highbury with Arsene Wenger. I was at the Emirates with Arsene Wenger. I've got a a lot of love for him, but should have left a, a lot earlier and allowed us to get on with the rebuild. It didn't, but that's history now because Arsenal top of the league. So who cares?
0: Yeah, you're right. Listen, I I don't want to turn this into a sort of Wenger towards the end of his day sort of show. But, um, you know, the noise was there. And actually, the way the reaction, the the reception that he received when he was on screen, I was in the ground. I I had switched off Twitter going into the ground and I didn't know that he was going to be there. because I think David Ornstein broke the story that he was going to be in the in the stadium. Then, of course, the, 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 the TV stations showed him early on in the first half. The first we saw of him in the stadium was when Martinelli's finished with his bullet finish. And we, we, you know, we'd all obviously gone nuts because we were two-one up, and it was the perfect time almost to show Wenger on screen because the stadium was um, euphoric, and all of a sudden, you know, corner of my eye, I see Arson Wenger sort of, you know, doing his, you know, his classic sort of clenched fists and then clapping, and I, I just had a moment where I thought, what's, what's going on? Like everyone was just in total shock, and then we'd realised Arsene was in the house, and then you know, one Arsene Wenger chance, and you know, he, he waved and it was just, it was, it was beautiful. And it was quite an iconic moment, you know, sort of history meeting future um, Arteta, you know, the, the, the master and the apprentice, like, it's just so many things. And like seeing all these photos, so wholesome, you know, Mr. Uh, sorry, Bukayo Sakharovsky calling Arsene Wenger Mr. Wenger and t- asking for his photo. It's probably the first time, maybe one of very few times that they've met William Saliba as well, there, as you can see, see on screen. It really was really, really wholesome. And, you know, like some of the comments uh, coming in, Bakary Lasagna loved to see Le back at the ground. Um, And you know what? He followed up by saying, I think he did the right thing by staying away as long as he did. And I think that's a really, really salient point there, Bakary Lasagna, because I think Sir Alex Ferguson, as you mentioned, has always been that sort of shadow, that sort of aura, that sort of, you know, every time United would see the goal, they'd pan to him in the camera in the stands. And I think it just made life for Moyes and Van Gaal and Co and Solskjaer even to an extent a little bit difficult. So him coming back, it could have gone all wrong. You know, we could have lost that game, and there would, you know, the papers would have made made a lot of that. But you know, he was the comeback king, and of course, we came back to beat West Ham. So really pleased with that.
2: Um, so is the measure of Arteta as well.
0: Like yeah, because like he Arteta he was quite. A, go on.
2: Well, Arteta wanted in there. Like Arteta is yeah. a very very savvy uh, modern leader. He reminds me of like. Uh, a sort of corporate CEO in America. He knows all the right strings to pull. Like he's an expert with PR. um, And I I think the way that he's almost campaigned for the best part of a year to say he should come back, he should spend time at training, like really, really sharp on his part. And um, I I like hearing you say how euphoric it was to to have him in the stadium because that's what football is all about, right?
0: Absolutely. And listen, you know, had they have shown him at 1-0 down, I don't know how i would have felt. And I I do wonder if the players knew about it because, you know, that sort of adds a bit of pressure. Oh, you know, Wenger's coming back and, you know, is the team going to play for Venga and all that sort of chat before the game? I just I think the way that it sort of just turned out, the way that the players sort of embraced him after the game, obviously winning, being top of the league. And it was just the perfect return, the perfect time, the perfect return. I don't know how Arsene Wenger feels obviously personally about the way that it all went and why he's not turned up sooner you know sooner David Dean, I've had the pleasure of meeting a few times since since um, Arsene Wenger left and he's always said you know Arsene's hurt you know he's really upset about everything that happened and he, you know he he doesn't think he'd ever return back to Arsenal so this was a massive surprise and it was just so beautifully executed um, and to be there that night ah, I was it was emotional it was like Thierry Henry's own homecoming against Leeds yeah um, Talking of the future, though, Pedro, um, I want to talk about Mikel Arteta. You know, three years at Arsenal, as you can see, oh, he seems so fresh-faced and so young uh, when he first joined uh, those three years ago. And obviously since then, and I've got the right league table because I think you uh, you tweeted a two-year table. I've got the three-year table oh, on the screen. One, yeah. But don't worry. Um, I mean, look, it's been three years. He obviously came in, inherited... What was, you know, that sort of dysfunctional team that that Unai Emery had left behind, won the FA Cup, Community Shield, back to back, had a tough year finishing eighth and, you know, being beaten by Unai Emery in the end in the Europa League. What do you make of his three-year tenure so far? Um, He's very much, I think you're going to say, the right man and you really trust in the process. But did you expect him to be where we are so quickly?
2: I... I had, a, I had high expectations. I, I'm a, a lot of people that I speak to in the game spoke very highly of him. And um, if Pep Guardiola picks you up as an assistant, there's something special about you. If Raheem Sterling is saying you helped him become a better wide player and win titles for Man City, you've got to, got to listen to those things. And um, I, I thought that it would be a rough first year. I I thought it would be a little bit quicker because I actually think that he bodged the first year. I think the... and n- Not totally, but I think Arsenal gave him too much power too soon and they let him run away with a, with a bad transfer strategy. Arteta thought that he could uh, teach old dogs new tricks and he was completely wrong. He shouldn't have given Aubameyang a deal, shouldn't have brought Willian in. Uh, he should have immediately focused on the year two strategy, which was a bit of a... um Self-preservation act, but focus on young players uh, because young players that don't have careers, all they care about is getting better. And once he focused on um, bringing in the right characters at the right age, um, everything went up. But um, I, I thought that we would get—I thought that we would be challenging for Champions League this year. I didn't think that we would be challenging for the title, but I—I I, I was. I was told years ago that Mikel Arteta will be a Champions League winning manager. I was told that he would win the Champions League even when um, Arsenal were in the gutter. That's how highly rated he is. And now I'm feeling pretty confident that Mikel Arteta will win a Champions League for Arsenal in the next five years.
0: Wow, there's a a lot there. I mean, first of all, I guess on um, on the older sort of players, you know, the Willian and the Aubameyang extra contract. Sometimes I have sympathy. I I kind of look back and I try to understand why Arteta bought those players. I think it was about steadying the ship and adding a bit of experience where maybe he lacked because, you know, bear in mind, this was his first managerial job and maybe he was sort of accounting for that in a weird subconscious way. But I think you're right. I think the project that he has tried uh, to build tirelessly over the last couple of years in terms of cleaning, you know, getting your house in order, cleaning out all the toxicity, bringing in players that are young, hungry, ambitious and willing to learn, um, the culture that he talked about in his very first interview, which I watched, you know, watched back again today, he talked about environment, culture, professionalism, and then you know the, the signs were all there. Like this was what he was going to do from day one, and he's managed to basically build it. When you look at that um, that league table there, the, the sort of bottom left picture, which I've nabbed off Twitter, I can't remember who sort of posted it, but you know that since his arrival uh, on the 22nd of December back in 2019, and you can see there, collecting accumulatively, we third. And we're not too far off the two best teams that the Premier League has seen over the last four or five years. I mean, that's some going. And like you, Ped, I would also say I was not expecting us to be in a Premier League title race, which I think we are now. I wasn't expecting us to go into the World Cup top of the league. And I certainly wasn't expecting us to have such a gap, the gap that we have on so many of our rivals. I understand that one or two teams are always going to be in transition. That's just the nature of the Premier League these days. But City, you know, it's their best start to the Premier League in five years. And they've won the Premier League what four years in a row or something ridiculous like that? Well, Liverpool, but uh, you know it's four out of five years, and it's just—I mean, I have to, I, as I was telling Charlie at the start of the show, even I have to sort of pinch myself, thinking, "Is this really happening? Like, are we really top of the league? Like, fifteen games in, are we really like genuinely in a title race? I mean, it's supremely exciting, and to hear your confidence of him, you know, maybe leading us to a Champions League title in 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 five years' time is is, is phenomenal. I do want to look at the, the sort of build that he's had over the years. I mean, this is an image that I used on the um, on whether we can win a league title feature that I did on the channel just a few days ago. But after 14 games in his first season in 2021, we were 15th. After 14 games in 21-22, we were fifth 10 points off first. And after 14 games this year, we are top and five points clear. I mean, Erling Haaland probably paid us the biggest compliment last night after they beat Leeds, and he said, Arsenal, we have to hunt them. I mean, we are the standard bearers this season. We are playing an energetic, charismatic, exciting brand of football. Do you sort of feel like you have to pinch yourself sometimes as well, Pedro?
2: Yeah. I mean, this season has gone so well. Um, (laughs) I I thought the... I I mean, I actually didn't think that we would have a summer window as outrageously good as it was. Um, But I I think the... You know, I'm not surprised that that we are that we progress so well because a lot a lot of the 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 people that with the little the little uh, profile pictures and the you know the the italian names on twitter that think they're like elite analysts a lot of them don't really pay attention to what's going on on the pitch they just look at the table Ar- Ar- arsenal finished 8th and then they finished 8th they, they don't look at the the realities of what was going on at that time i think the the first time that we finished 8th um or, or the second or the first time we finished eighth, it was half a season. So you have to let that go. The second time we finished eighth, I think we were like five or six points off of champions league. And, you know, we had a, we had a lot of bad luck that season. And then, um, you know, when we didn't make champions league last season, we, we finished on what 69 points. And yep. that had been enough to get in the champions league the, the last four years. And even just looking at some of the, the things that Arteta has been building out, I spoke about it on the, the Arsenal opinion podcast earlier. Um, One of my hot takes was a lot of the -the off-the-ball movement that you're seeing at the moment is something that people don't pay attention to. Declan Rice came out and said, Arsenal smother you. Scott Parker says something very single. Arsenal, they strangle you because of their off-the-ball movement. Well, that's been there for two years. But uh, unforced errors have been one of our biggest weaknesses. And we've started to cut those out of the system now. So we've been defending well for a long time. We've been really difficult to play against for a long time. And I think we all saw last season, we were like, damn, like people were saying that we didn't create enough big chances. And my argument was, well, if you've got a striker that can't run, how do you create big chances? What's a big chance for Lacazette? Unless it's an open goal, we can't get into position. And now this season, we've got all of this pace through the front line. Uh, we've got a little bit more experience in the system. And... Uh, everybody's getting a little bit better. You know, not a little bit better, much better. I mean, we've got five players that have created more than uh, 20 uh, shot creating actions this season. It's phenomenal. So everything's come together. But so I I think that we've been building a winning machine for a long time. I just think people haven't noticed. But to be this far top of the league, I mean, like if we were sniffing around, if we were like five points uh, behind uh, City, I would be like, this is a massive achievement. But to be like trailblazing, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. But it's amazing it, because we've done things right, you know? It
0: is ridiculous. And talking of doing things right, I mean, obviously, we talk about the culture and the environment and everything that you wanted to set from the start, you know, the personnel that he's brought in and, and the, the time he's had to, to, to spend in coaching these players. And, and the biggest clue of whether this race is sustainable for us or not this season, Pedro, is is what you see on screen now. You just mentioned Scotty Parker describing us as strangling the opposition. I've, I've used the words control, authority and suffocation and you look at these attacking, <laughs> you look at the, yeah, you look at these sort of attacking charts, if you like, courtesy of my good friend, Sam, who is now underscore Arsenal. You can see, I mean, that's, look at the Arsenal West Ham one, the penalty, you know, the, the, the blip in the middle of the first half. We have controlled that game. And even when we, though we went one nil down against a team that, you know, are fighters and that are known for defending well, defending deep, being strong, physical, we came out second half, 15 minute blitz, bang, 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 Saka, Martinelli, and Ketia. Look at the games that we've played at, you know, against Spurs, you know, the North London derby. Look how much we've controlled that game. Chelsea away, Stanford Bridge. Stanford Bridge is becoming our training ground year on year. The one that really hurts, of course, is Old Trafford because we lost there. But I thought for the first time in a long time, we'd played really well at Old Trafford. And I thought we were the better team and we were hard done by not to get not to get even a point. And you know, Marcinelli's goal, I think I think PGMOL have, have recently sort of admitted that, that was that was a goal that should have stood. But regardless, the the, the key the common denominator here is that we are controlling games and we are taking the game to our opposition. We have won more away games this season. Than we, we did in the entire 2019 and 2020 season. And that's, it's ridiculous. So that all of these signs make me feel really encouraged about the rest of the season. You know, when people ask, can we win it? Will we win it? Can we sustain this run? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, barring two or three more horrific injuries, um, the style of play is everything we are so that our build up, we are patient, we are resilient. We just keep knocking on that door until we break that door down. Is that something that stood out to you as well? I mean, is this the final piece of the jigsaw?
2: I think the final piece of the jigsaw is having uh, a squad with enough depth to absorb an injury to every single player. And uh, I'm, I'd be, I'd be concerned if Thomas party picked up a, an injury, I don't think I'd be concerned if Aaron Ramsdale picked up an injury. And I think Bakayo Saka being out for an extended amount of time could derail us. And I think that those are the sorts of things where you run out of juice a little bit. I think we're close to having a, a, a top level squad, but I think City, um, City have more, City have built a winning IP over the last five, six years. And they've got a coach that's won it all over and over again. I think the. Arsenal need to build that winning IP. Like we we're, we're learning how to deal with a shock to the system by not having Jesus in the system at the moment. Like we might we we might have an upset against Brighton and and that will be something that will add to our winning IP moving forward. Like I don't think we've been through enough ups and downs with this squad to truly know whether we can get over the line. At the moment it feels like we are top of the league because we started really well and we didn't stop. Like the the, the naivety of our squad is is helping us right now. But as we saw against Newcastle last season, when the pressure was on, we cracked. We still don't know whether we'll crack this season. Um, so I, I, I think if we keep everybody fit, which is unrealistic, we've got a great chance. And I think that we will challenge Manchester City this season. I just don't know whether we've got it until the, uh, until the end. But, you know, simple truth is that I think the last four Premier League winners have had a, a starting 11 with an average age of 28 or older. Arsenal are were, Arsenal were just shy of 24. We've got four years until we're at City's level. Four years of maturing to do. And we are top of the league now. And we've had the best start ever. I mean, the future is so bright for us. And, you know, if we get into the Champions League next season, my word, I you know, I, I would expect us to get to a semi-final. I think we're that good. But you have to learn how to win and you have to learn how to sustain. And I just think City have got a lot of veteran winners in their side that are at their peak at the moment. So I think it's going to be really difficult, but who knows? It's looking good so far.
0: You're right. Moments of adversity are going to be the real sort of test for this team as to how quickly we bounce back within games after games that maybe we've lost. I suppose we did it really well after after beating after being beaten by Manchester United at Old Trafford. And I heard on Ars blog today, the excellent Ars blog, um, I think Arsenal have only been behind for 57 minutes this whole season in a game. Wow. i find that phenomenal like it's it just blew my mind that stat we've played 15 games andrew was questioning himself as to whether that was accurate or not but but james was quite quick to sort of say yeah he, he read something similar 57 59 minutes be, you know that we've been behind in any uh you know it, it, like throughout the whole season which is just mind-blowing you mentioned we, we lead, i think we lead
2: or we're top for almost you know every positive stat in the premier league yeah. you know i think we lead for pressing, running, um, like our shots per game. You remember when Arteta first started, and there was a stat doing the rounds that we averaged nine attempts at goal per game. Like we're we're at 15, 16 right now. I mean, it's incredible the the progress and and what we're seeing. And that's the crazy thing about being this this high up in the league. We deserve it. There's not like that. You know that that sort of Unai Emery, yeah. But our XG is is like on the floor. Like, our XG is about par for where we are. Like, this is fully deserved, and this is is a great execution from a a great bunch of players that are, you know, starting to look a bit world-class out there.
0: That's it. you've you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, There are hundreds of you watching live right now, which is amazing. So please do drop a like on the video. It really helps the channel. Subscribe if you're new. And if you like, uh, you know, what you're sort of uh, hearing and watching and do, of course, give Pedro a follow. He is at LaGrove on Twitter. You mentioned squad, Pedro. So let's sort of finish on this before we look at the Premier League table. Um, January, is it a case of boom or bust for Arsenal? I mean, the Cronkies were seen in the crowd uh, on Monday night uh, uh, against West Ham. You know, uh, according to David Ornstein, they are here to back Arsenal, to go and get what they need to do to go and get the title. We've been linked with Mihailo Mudrić, Danilo. The interest has faded there, I think. Yuri Tillemans, maybe a free transfer in the summer that, of course, won't help us with this season's title pursuit. Doesn't it sound nice to say that? And Joao Felix, uh, who scored tonight for Atletico Madrid, being, you know, offered up to, to Premier League clubs. What would you like to see? And what do you think will happen?
2: I think that there'll be one signing In January, I think it'll be Mudrik. Uh, I think the Mikel Arteta, I I know that like the the winger is the absolute priority uh, because he's got two of the best wingers in the league in Martinelli and Saka, but you have to be able to rotate them. You can't play them in the FA Cup and the Europa League and expect to get out of the season alive. So I think Arsenal have scouted Mudrik deeply. They think he's extremely unique, top, top tier talent, and I think that he will be the priority. and I think the, I mean, there, there might be a Felix on loan. I kind of find this one a little bit weird. I mean, it's, it's, it's a Mendez rumor. Um, it'd be a lot of money to the, you know, we're not a club with infinite pockets. So um, I, I'm not sure about that. But if we signed him, fantastic. I mean, that would be a signing where you're thinking about your Champions League squad for next season. But I think we'll, um, I think we'll, I think we'll keep the, the powder dry with regards to Tielemans. We probably promised him a big fat, Signing on fee in the summer if he goes on a free, and then I think that the big blowout. I think I think there'll be a big blowout on a number six. The Thomas Party successor is the big one. I think the the Egyptian Pirlo gets us through this season, but you need to have a twenty three year old number six, and I think that we'll probably push for uh, a Declan Rice like character. And then can I just
0: ask you about Declan because yeah, obviously I think you know a lot of these. A lot of these clubs are going to go for Enzo. Uh, Some people are going to go for Duke Bellingham. Does that leave maybe an open sort of door to Declan Rice? And is he a player that you'd like to see join the Arsenal?
2: 100%. This this slander for Declan Rice is outrageous. I feel like as soon as a player gets loosely linked to Arsenal, everyone's like, oh, he's terrible. (laughs) Declan Rice is top, top quality. Um, He's an athlete, he's powerful. Um, this idea that he doesn't pass forward is ridiculous. I think under the coaching of Mikel Arteta, uh, he moved to the next level. And I uh, I know that he's a Chelsea fan. And I know that he fancied a move there. Uh, has fancied a move there a few times. But I don't think Chelsea are making the Champions League. Um, everything I'm hearing about Chelsea behind the scenes is they're an absolute mess. It's worse than you think. And where, where are you going to give the next five years of your career? Do you want to take a risk on Chelsea or do you want to go to something that looks like it's working? And he was very sheepish when I asked about Arsenal and he was very complimentary. And then you see him hugging Mikel Arteta. Yeah. I mean, that's outrageous. If I was a West Ham fan, I'd be furious. Hugging Bakayo Saka. You know, he's got relationships with everyone at Arsenal. I think he would be um, uh, an absolutely unbelievable signing in the summer. But I think the blowout will be a number six. I think we'll sign that uh, Indikia. Um, on a free transfer and then you've got a squad that's right that's ready from day one to challenge to win the Champions League not compete win um, so I'm really excited about the summer but the key is don't don't waste money in January you know everybody got upset last season like my I, I thought that Arsenal had the best transfer window last January because we didn't sign anyone and it proved out because that gave us the financial freedom to sign Zinchenko, Gabby Jesus, and have one of the best summers on record, I think we need yeah. to be patient, think about the long term, and it's not a boom or bust window. We will get another chance to win the league.
0: I think I can hear you say, keep the powder dry, Pedro, to bring back keep an old powder, phrase. Well,
2: not for Mudric. I mean, he's going to be expensive, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, I think Mudrick, Mudrick's the guy. And like I said at the start of the show, there will be a breakdown being released on Mudrick tomorrow, hopefully. Well, I look forward to that. Um, thank you very much. But uh, yeah, Declan Rice is a player that I absolutely love. I think, you know, physically a specimen, robust, strong, you know, gallops with the ball, carries the ball so well, very, very strong in the tackle. Can be a bit clumsy sometimes. Uh, notice that at the Emirates, but does you know, He good games grown. as well,
2: though, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I've seen him yeah. play well against Liverpool, United. Yeah. I mean, West Ham yeah. have had some big wins over the last few seasons.
0: And, and I think, actually, that's where he's probably suffered on, on, on Monday and may, he might suffer for the rest of the season because he's just had a really good World Cup where he's played with you know, players of a supreme talent. He's now back at West Ham. West Ham aren't doing so well. I think he might be looking for his, his sort of way out. But deckton Rice would be a, a tremendous signing for me. And Mudrick, of course, if it's the guy that comes in, really interesting to see where he plays and how much he plays. Um, I want to, end. you're getting a lot of love in the comments, by the way, uh, Pedro. Uh, v Vlad says, Pedro just talks too much sense, man. Love the guy and hearing his opinions. There was a, there was a love the hat, uh, message earlier, Lou Weeds in the chat saying Pedro is the dude um, I want to stop sharing the screen and before we take a look at the Barclays Premier League um, just looking ahead to Saturday uh, are you confident going into the game uh, I know you said that Brighton were have been a bit of a nemesis of ours in recent years but there should be no McAllister, there's definitely no Welbeck, there's no uh, Moises Caicedo, Um are you expecting Arsenal to turn up?
2: 100% yeah, I'm expecting a big game I'm, I'm I still can't work out whether the level's dipped I think the level's dipped a little bit um, without Graham Potter there. Um, I think they'll give us a difficult game, but I think we've just got too much quality now. Um, and unless they've got a full starting 11, I think it's going to be really difficult for them, but we, we need to, we need to turn up, you know, these are the sorts of games, the teams like Liverpool and Manchester city, they just go there, they do the job. It's no drama. And, Arsenal have not always um, behaved like that over the last five years. I think this is a different team, but you you also you also have to beat Brighton to beat Newcastle, right? You can't if you pick up a draw, their confidence is going to be rocked. And I think that that Newcastle team are on fire at the moment um so i'm i'm really looking for a for a win there because we've got more difficult games and more consequential games coming later on in the month but yeah i'm 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 sure i'm pretty sure that that we're going to we're going to have a win we have to get three points manchester city are hunting us
0: they are indeed uh, just while i ask everybody to give me their scores uh in the chat what do you think the score is going to be
2: Two new arsenal eddie inkjets maybe maybe a little no, lerger free kick
0: Ooh, nice. Cheeky. I like that. Uh, There's there's more love coming in for you. Terence Tibbs. This has caught my eye. I like Pedro's intense eyes. I can't tell if he's crazy or passionate. It's probably (laughs) a bit of both. Uh, Right. Terence Tibbs also follows up by saying 2-0. Presumably these are all to the Arsenal. 2-0 Arsenal. Yembele's in the chat. 2-1 Arsenal. L's also going for a 2-1. Rofikov, hopefully i pronounced your name correctly one nil to the arsenal and then mr ed the bot says nah trossard is the main man he did of course score a hat-trick at anfield trossard earlier this season backery three nil arsenal dowdy in the chat as well kabaka says three one ds electronics unlimited i don't know if that's a, a retail store but you know, do get your electronic goods from them they've gone for a three one the socks guy. I don't know if you're selling socks three one again it's very popular it's got all here's some optimistic ones L Dennis saying 4-0. They're <laughs> great saying 4-0. And someone's come in with a... 1-2. I'm hoping that's because Arsenal are the away team. Uh, right, let's end as we normally do by looking at the Premier League table. So on your screens now, courtesy of premierleague.com, you should see the Premier League table. And isn't that a sight for sore eyes? As you can see, Arsenal are top of the Premier League table. We are five points ahead of Manchester City, who of course, one at Leeds. Uh, Manchester City are playing Everton at home this weekend. That should be a formality for them. Newcastle United, the surprise pack. I'm not sure if I'm Happy to see them in the top four, scared to see them in the top four. Like, they are a huge unknown. And Eddie Eddie Howe's comments on Match of the Day on Saturday was, we can do anything. This team can do
2: anything. They've got Leicester City vibes, haven't they? They've got no Europe. Yeah, I feel really uneasy.
0: but, But they've got Leicester City vibes, but a couple of hundred million to spend in Jan. Plus, Alexander Isak hasn't played. Uh, Sent Maximan hasn't played. Like they've got some serious talent to reintegrate into this team. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a little sure, bit anxious.
2: But I, uh, FK, I don't, I don't think they can go full on Manchester City in January. I think that they've got financial fair play issues. I don't think I, they can't go out and offer 250 grand a week to players from, from what what I understand, because you know they they they'll, they'll breach rules. So uh and. They they don't have a young squad either, so there's going to have to be a little bit of a rebuild at some point. But yeah, like having a a Saudi backed Newcastle United is a worry for the league. But you know Newcastle are up there, but Liverpool are not, right? Yeah, Chelsea are not. So someone drops yeah. out, someone feels the backfills them.
0: That's why it's really bittersweet. Uh, the scummer in fourth place, of course, they drop points uh, to. Brentford last week and they are at Villa this week. Oh, sorry, they're home to Villa. Manchester United, uh, they seem to be getting their wheels back on track. They are now in fifth place and Liverpool climbing the table as well. Now you've got Brighton. So Brighton is going to be a very difficult game on paper. Lots of comments in the chat talking about Newcastle. Uh, the Newcastle game on the 3rd of January, just a week away, less than a week away, it is a massive game at the Emirates. Um I suspect Saliba will probably pick up a yellow card in that game. So he misses the Oxford game and doesn't risk himself against, um, you know, what's to come sort of later in the month, but there you have it. There's a the Premier League table. Uh, Pedro, may I thank you for all your contributions this year. Uh, do you have any plans for new years? What are you doing in, in the States?
2: It's going to take it easy. Just going to take it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Have a yeah. chilled one. Have a chilled one with the, uh, with the baby, uh, her first uh, a new years, and then uh, hit, hit it hard next year. How about yourself?
0: I am going to, well, actually, my wife and kids are away. It's my birthday on New Year's Eve, so I'm going to go and see my sister and my nephews and spend maybe the morning sort of afternoon with them, watch the game, and maybe, you know what, see the year out by hosting a post-match phone-in on Twitter. Wonderful. Uh, why not? Yeah, why not? And hopefully, thank you for having me on on
2: FK. You know, I love this. I love this channel. I think it's. uh, I think it's absolutely awesome. Congrats on all the success. Uh, I hope everybody is subscribing to this. That's in the comments right now. It's. uh, It's great to see you doing such a good job,
0: mate. uh, I really appreciate that. That's uh, very touching. And thanks to everybody who's watched. Hundreds of you have tuned in tonight in this on this uh, impromptu. uh, late night latte. We will be back on Saturday with a post-match phone-in on Twitter. So if you're not on that platform, get on there, what you've been doing. Uh, and then on maybe on Sunday to see the new year in, we'll have a very happy post-match late night latte on the Sunday night. But until then, look after yourselves. Um, I feel it's probably inappropriate for me to play the music tonight because, of course, the football world has lost a legend. So we will see the show out with a picture of Pele. May he rest in peace. Look after yourself, Pedro. See you soon. Happy New Year to everybody.